What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode two of We Watched Falcon Winter Soldier. I'm your host this week, Mr. Pete and Bessie, joined by Mr. Kale Ward. The ultimate Winter Soldier to Pete's Falcon? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I guess that makes Phil uh, Red Wing, huh? No, hi, guys. I'm the new Captain America. <laughs> Stay in school, play sports. <laughs> Actually, that does make a lot of sense. Phil would that be a U.S. Work. agent. Look at him. Yeah. Join the military. Look at that milk toast <laughs> white face. Of course he's US agent. That weird chin. <laughs> that potato-faced motherfucker. <laughs> Play Call of Duty. It'll help you shoot terrorists. <laughs> oh my god. That's too real now. Okay. So welcome to the Comics Pals Weekly Show. Uh, we watched Falcon Winter Soldier, where we, of course, watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then we get together to talk about it. Uh, Sean is not with us this week, so I will be holding down the fort as we talk about episode two, The Star-Spangled Man. Um, you know, we're full spoilers on this whole thing, so, you know, uh, we'll just jump right into it, I guess, right? Like, we pick up after last episode, right, with the reveal that even though Sam has, uh, given the shield away, been praised for putting in the Smithsonian, the government has elected a new Captain America uh, one John Walker, better known as U.S. Agent in the comics. Um, you know, he appears on Good Morning America. We kind of get a little bit of, you know, context for him as a guy and what his experience has been and who are his friends and, you know, wh why is he the one they chose to be Cap? Um, and then, you know, we, we, we definitely get to know this character pretty well, I think, over the course of this episode. How did you guys feel about the way that they kind of handled that reveal. Hey, I wanted to call you after I was done watching the episode to tell you how much I hate the Star Spangled Man. <laughs> he really is like a dollar store Chris Evans, Captain America. Like he's like skinnier. He has like hmm. a little bit worse hair. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the thing that's great about Chris Evans' Captain America, of course, is just this kind of silent stoicism that he has. You know, he has this like, you know, he has this mentality of like getting the work done that he has to get done. And he does it with uh, kind of like a silent charm about him, you know? Yeah. yeah. This guy this never guy, shuts up. This guy never shuts up. <laughs> there was a real, there was a scene in this episode that really, really drove home how much I hate this guy. Because for a little while, you're thinking, okay, maybe he isn't that bad, and then maybe it's just Falcon and Winter Soldier not giving him a chance because he's not Steve. Right, and yeah. That's a total possibility here, you know? This guy is one day on the job. He very much expressed how he's nervous about being Captain America and how he can't fill in those shoes. But boy, does his arrogance grow as his star light shines brighter. And at the end of the episode, toward the end of the episode, you know, uh, Falcon and... Uh, Winter Soldier come out of a police precinct and this dude just starts blaring the police siren to get their attention and it's like oh this guy's a fucking prick I love um, I love the way they handle that scene where you know they're like walking and they're ignoring him and he gets them on the, the back of the army truck or whatever finally and they're having the conversation and like he pisses off Bucky but like Sam's still like kind of feeling him out and then he's like oh it'd be you know be so much easier to, to be the best cap I can be if I had Cap's wingmen by my side. And he just like rolls his eyes and he's like, it's always the last part and just jumps out. And I was like, of course. Yeah. Like that's, I think that 
scene nails down this character so well. Because, like, I went through that same journey of, like, so am I supposed to dislike this guy or not? Because, like, in the, not even just in, like, the Good Morning America interview, but, like, the uh, preamble to it where he's, like, talking to his girlfriend and then, like, um, yeah, uh, Battlestar, Lamar. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, he's, like, talking to the two of them and it's like, yeah, all right, like, he seems like, he seems like an all right guy. Like, he seems like he's just trying to do the right thing or whatever. And then when they have that conflict, he's like, stay out of my way, you know, or what? stay the hell out of my way. And I'm like, Captain America would not say that, bro. <laughs> like, that's that's the wrong energy here. I feel like he probably did say that kind of thing in the Civil War movie, right? And it was like, he and Tony had a conflict and he was going to do a thing anyway. Sure, and he was but basically like, I yeah. think that's a different situation than this one, right? Where, like, you're working towards the same end, and and you're like, come work with us. And they're like, no. And he's like, fine, well, then fuck you. Stay out of my way. Like, that is yeah. not how I think Cap yeah. would handle that. Whereas, like, Civil War, that is, you know, a, a friendship that was always rocky that then becomes very rooted in bad blood, you know? And, like, that's, like, a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you're right. That, that line to Falcon really says it all because this dude is like what we don't know the timeline but it's his first week probably yeah, on the he's job been cap for like maybe a month and he says to falcon who's an established avenger who saved the world who knows how many times and he's like oh i really could use my sidekick it's like fuck you dude it's like who the fuck are you <laughs> captain america it's true yeah, it's a it's I thought inherently it's very interesting too. So like you know, one thing that the MCU has made a real point of is that Captain America is not a tool of the United States or the United States government or any kind of ancillary partnership with the United States government whether it's like a corporation that, you know, builds shields stuff or shield itself, you know? He very much is a person right or wrong who stands by their values and principles through thick and thin and that's like a big point that came up in uh, both winter soldier and civil war um and avengers 2 age of ultron for that matter it's it's a it's a tried and true aspect of the character's personality uh so to follow up a non-conforming captain america with uh literally a government manufactured captain america is a brilliant kind of inversion or rather a subversion of, of, of that concept. I think um, <clears throat> something that, that Sean outlined in the last episode that you kind of see come uh, an echo again in this episode too, right? Was this idea that when, <clears throat> when Falcon makes the, or when Sam, I guess I should say, right? Makes the, the choice to, to turn in the shield and, and, like, give up the mantle, like, he's praised for doing so, right? And, like, they're like, oh, good job, Sam, you did the right thing or whatever. And then, like, their first move is to take that and go put it in the hands of a white guy, right? Yep. And then, you know, again, we talked about that last week. That obviously comes back uh, to kind of roost again this episode when we meet Isaiah Bradley. Yeah. Who, um, I can't remember the name of the book. What was his his miniseries? Well, they 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 featured this prominently in Young Avengers because there's Patriot, who's yeah. the either the son or the nephew of of uh, grandson. Of Isaiah. grandson. That's right. yeah. Excuse and me. the original series, I think it was, it was called Truth, Red, White, and Black. Mm. Um, and that which is a great uh, yeah. book. I remember reading it like 20 years ago. 
and and that that book um is about it's about um so it's it's essentially a a like nod to uh the Tuskegee yes um, yeah stuff that happened on with the US government which you know you can go read about that it's fucking awful um and, and it's kind of a marvelification reimagining yeah. that of this idea that after Steve was lost uh, the U.S. government experimented on like hundreds of of black soldiers to try and recreate the super soldier serum, and that Isaiah, um, what was the one who who survived, and was kind of used as a, you know, as as a as a tool as a weapon, right, in the way uh, that we described, um, and, and like o- over time, you know like had a lot of um had a lot of different like like his his mental state degraded to the point where like he basically had like alzheimer's like symptoms and everything like that and he was like sent to prison and and all this really fucked up stuff right, right. and obviously we touched on some of that here with this uh, version of Isaiah he says that he was uh he was um imprisoned and experimented on by the government in Hydra for 30 years and that you know he he was basically, you know, um, they they put him in jail so they could experiment on him and and you know and try to replicate the success, um, which is obviously fucking horrifying. Um, and you know, obviously that strikes a chord with Sam, right? Mm-hmm. Because of this greater context of what's already going on in the present day narrative. Um, how did you guys feel about about that kind of? I guess how that plays out. Well, it makes it abundantly clear that Sam has to be Captain America. Like that's where we're going, and like that's the thread here. Sam is truly the spiritual successor of what Captain America is about. Because when you conflate patriotism or whatever with like what that actually means in the hands of like the U.S. government, you get what happened to Isaiah, and you get this discount. You know, Steve Rogers, like it all manufactured and it doesn't actually mean like it represents all the wrong things. Sam is a person who uh, is capable of thinking for himself and he's very clearly a morally good person, right? And frankly, with everything that happened to Isaiah, you know, Sam taking up the mantle of Captain America is, you know, providing meaning for this stuff that. Isaiah had to sacrifice in his life against his will, obviously. What about you, Cal? I think, too, that to a degree, Sam also represents like a, a newer generation of the Tuskegee Airmen. Um, in that, like, if I remember correctly from Winter Soldier, he says that his his flight suit was also experimental tech. I think that is you true. Guys recall, he's he was like one of six or something that he, only he survived, something to that effect. So I think I, what I'm getting at is I think he would also, besides you know the obvious the, the, analog, the the yeah the obvious you know racial inequality analog of of Sam and 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 Elijah Isaiah, Isaiah. sorry Elijah is his grandson. Um, yeah. Uh, they would also to a degree have that in common as well. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right, Phil. Uh, 
And you know what we see after they go to Elijah and Isaiah's house is um, a firsthand account of of uh, how police respond to uh, black people in the country. Dude, that was that was like legitimately, I think, one of the most uh, like uncomfortable I felt watching something in the MCU. Just because like the conflict starts and you know where it's gonna go, and the fact that Sam immediately is like knows what's happening and is like just you know like we're just fucking talking and then like it's bucky's like do you know who he is and then they're like oh we're so sorry mr wilson yeah yeah the minute he's a prominent like famous uh hero that's the only like that's they presume the worst until like oh this is like an avenger um it's just fucking gross that i mean that's what i mean like these are the things that make it clear that like Sam has to be Captain America. He stands for things that, you know, America should be, right? Not that they are, but the things that they should be. Like goals that of, of a brighter, better future for the quote-unquote American dream or whatever. So how did you guys feel about about that as like a choice for Bucky as a character? Because I thought that was interesting. Um, the fact that he like takes Sam there, doesn't tell him anything about it, and then it's just like, there you go. I never told Steve because he'd been through enough or whatever. And I don't know if he meant Steve or Isaiah, but like I didn't tell he him. Meant Isaiah. Right, Isaiah. so like, okay. I don't think, one, I don't think he probably, he probably didn't have the time to tell Steve uh you know between world war ii and then falling out of the plane or whatever and then coming back and well and then steve coming back and then bucky coming back and then bucky dying again and then bucky coming back again and then steve dying (laughs) never never felt like the right time you know (laughs) well no i i think this kind of fits his character arc here you know the first episode is all about bucky's atonement He's trying to like visit all these people that he wronged in one way or another as a winter soldier, you know, even though he had his, even though he got his ass cheeks absolutely clapped by Isaiah in the fifties or whatever, you know, it was uh, during the Korean war. He said they fought. So yeah, that would have been. They said, they said 51. Yeah. Okay. There you go. 51 to 53 was the Korean war. So yeah. um, That adds up because there's like a huge guilt aspect to Bucky's relationship to all these people that he was sent out to fight or kill or whatever as the winter soldier. uh, It's not, it's, it's, it's like a reflection. I think it's more Bucky than anything else. Like, you know, he doesn't talk about that shit. Yeah. Cause he feels guilty. He's He's ashamed. Sure. Sure. So, Oh, go ahead. And and I imagine he, he feels like he's probably the only one who can and should atone for it that too you know, he wasn't in yeah. control of his actions he's very you know lone lone wolf or whatever i mean look at the uh, way isaiah talked about him to him he's like you can't just wake up one day and change decide you're not a killer anymore or whatever like he i mean <laughs> isaiah crumpled his ass in 1951 and then he crumpled his ass again in 2021 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i mean obviously to to uh winter soldiers point to his to, to defend him a little obviously like he wasn't in control of his own actions so it is a little easier to wake up different when like you have actual faculty over your uh, actions but sure you know that's not how he feels about it 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I and that's fair, right? Like I mean, I think that that speaks to uh the first episode and and how it contextualized, you know, his relationship with um the the older shop owner guy whose yeah. whose son he killed, I can't remember his name, but um yeah. it's this idea that right like it, it wasn't Bucky's fault that he did that, but that won't change that in the eyes of yeah. this man whose son he killed. You know, and he like, still feels the weight and burden of everything that happened. Yeah, because at the end of the and, day, it was him. And and so it's also understandable why Sam's really upset and really mad that Bucky never talked about this. That nobody did. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously Steve didn't know about it, as Bucky points out. Um, like The only person that would have told Sam at this point is obviously Bucky. Because, you know, everyone else is clearly trying to keep this a secret. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, the other part of that, as you say, is that probably nobody knew right you know, so the gov you know the government probably did but you know who are they who are they gonna <laughs> they're not telling sam <laughs> yeah right. they're not telling anyone because yeah. racism and also u.s likes to you know keep everything as secretive as possible when it comes to its foreign affairs yeah, yeah exactly so um to to kind of pull on that thread a little bit more right uh obviously this episode is where we we actually see you know, Sam and Bucky reunited, right? And like from the beginning it's it's kind of rocky, you know, and, and like after this um you know, this I, I don't know if I'd call it a confrontation, but whatever. They go and meet with Isaiah and like after they have the actual confrontation with the police, Bucky's arrested because he missed his court mandated therapy, right? He's got a warrant out for his arrest. And they're kind of forced to go and, and go through this therapy session and try to, you know, um, just reconcile the 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 drama that's going on between them right now, right? Because Bucky is feeling some kind of way about Sam's decision to give up the shield. You know, Sam has his own feelings about that. Um, and you know, there's just there's clear friction between the two right now. Um, how did you guys I mean, feel about that in general? And how do you feel about you know where where they're at right now as you know as partners and friends as a couple? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I was really worried about this kind of thing going into the show because my feeling was that it was going to be a quip fest, their dynamic. And like, it really, really, that kind of thing really drives me up a wall with a lot of Marvel properties. But I don't think that's what we really got here. Now, granted, like they snipped at each other and like there were one-liners, but it didn't really feel like, it didn't feel cheeky or anything. Like it felt, I think it felt, like legitimately like two people that have like a love hate relationship with each other. And I think that therapy session did a really good job outlining kind of the character arcs that both characters need to go on for this. So, yeah. you know, for Bucky, he resents Sam for not taking up the shield because Steve believed in him. We all know how Bucky feels about Steve. Um, but well, not he has, just he has that. that great line where he says, right? Like, he believed in you, and if you gave up the shield, maybe he was wrong about you, and then that means he was wrong about me, too. Which is what I was going to say. It feels like an indictment of himself, too. Like, Bucky has an entire, like, thing going on with his self-confidence because of everything he did as Winter Soldier. He's living as a hermit, basically, because he feels like a pariah to himself. Um, when you feel a, level, a degree of self-loathing like he does, it really explains his actions. And then for Sam, you know, Sam has the burden of trying to of, of everyone wanting him to take up the mantle of someone else's giant legacy i mean captain america is a larger than life figure on the one hand you have to think how's that impact like, you know 
are the, does that impact Sam's ability to be his own man at that point? Sam's always the hero. In the first episode, he's, you know, trying to help his sister buy their boating business back. Like Sam is his own person and to be Captain America, you know, kind of that would strip part of his identity away in a way. I mean, it could, it could threaten, like he could totally be his own Captain America, but you know, there's, you have to worry about stuff like that. You're you're still living in that person's shadow on some level, right? Like there's constantly going to be the comparison between him, Captain America, and Steve, Captain America. And again, I think like when you do add in that, you know, and this is this is the thing that Sean pulled on last week, right? Of like it's the idea of he also then he has to be the black Captain America, and that that comes with its own set of you know um, challenges and expectations, and you know. Um, and I guess, I guess roadblocks, right? Like, and, and that certainly came up in this episode when he shows up in Isaiah's neighborhood. There's a kid that goes up to him and it's like, you're the Black Falcon. <laughs> that was that was such a funny exchange just because obviously it's it serves a deeper purpose than that. But I also really thought it was funny how when he like, he like kind of like claps back at the one kid and the other kid starts laughing and he's like, Oh, I got him. Like gives him the fist bump and just keeps walking. I was like, can you imagine you're just like sitting outside of your house and a fucking Avenger just clowns you like that in front of your brother and then just splits. Like <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that kid can't show him his face at school now. <laughs> I love how he's just like, whatever, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I think, um, this is this is the conflict between two brothers who, by the end of this, because you know Sam says, you know, I, I need a vacation from you permanently after we're done this, basically. Yeah, insinuating that their friendship, their relationship's over with forever. But in reality, what this will ultimately do is bring them closer together because it has to. Whoa, spoilers, asshole! <laughs> oh, sorry. I actually watched all the episodes already. Yeah, you guys are going to be like going crazy when you see it. Galactus in the last episode. <laughs> Yeah, and I think um, I, I I dug that, and I, I like how um, the resolution of that, right, is, like, Sam's, like, f- hits his peak frustration and just, like, walks out, and, like, that clearly upsets Bucky, you know? And, like, the therapist is like, I see that. Like, what's that? You know? Like, I, I know that off. face. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I think it's the, the fact that they are – a good a good duo. I really like them together, not just the characters but the actors. I think have good chemistry and you know the you I buy both the tension between them and the genuine affection. Yeah. So like the idea that they're at odds right now and that they're going to you know kind of overcome that, squash the beef and you know and find a a, a newfound connection and kinship uh together you know um i think is something that will a be rewarding just narratively to see play out but also is something that i think will really benefit both of those characters because you know i think the idea of seeing sam you know uh kind of step into that role as captain america with bucky supporting him will be a really triumphant moment for him as a character and the idea of Bucky kind of finding redemption through, you know, this, the work with Sam and like, and being able to make that connection again and have a a, a friend again and somebody that, you know, he can count on um, is going to be really important for his growth as a character. Yeah. You've got a friend group here where like the, the, the glue is Captain America. He's the linking thread here. You know, they're both friends with cap cap's gone now. 
now these two other guys, the you know left and right hand man of Steve Rogers, so to speak, you know they got to find a way to basically come together and shake hands. And 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 it's like you said, right? That's like a real believable dynamic that happens, right? But it's also one that like these are two, you know, men who are trying to find their place in the world and and figure out who they are without Steve. Um, and that makes for good narrative juice, right? That like, they're both on totally different journeys, but Steve's shadow looms over both of them and they both need to step out from under it. But it's not that like kind of classic, like, like father son dynamic, right? Where it's like, I I need to eclipse the shit. Cause it, you know, it's not that Steve shadows them in a bad way. It's that they feel the loss of, of him as a person and that like he was this guiding light for so many people that now they're like, how can I possibly ever live up to that? Right. And I feel like the answer is going to be like together. Yeah. And certainly, you know, Falcon's got to grow into being like a real leader. Yeah. And he will, I'm sure he will. Um, Sorry to go back to us agent here, but like, he steamed my hands, man. When he, when he, when he got, so like the big thing was, uh, you know, uh, winter soldier gets arrested cause he missed his court mandated, mandated therapy session. And like, he gets off the hook because the new captain America bails him out. And basically he's like, you don't have to do this anymore. Cause we need his help. But the way he does it is in the most annoying way possible. Like Bro, who authorized you, this dude. It was me. Captain America. Up top. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, motherfucker. I'll go to jail. <laughs> I would rather be in jail. <laughs> yeah, he, he sucked. I, uh, I, I did think it was interesting um, when they name dropped uh, the Battlestar thing. I was like, Battlestar. I was like, that sounds familiar. I know he's like one of the Buckies. I'm like, why are they sticking with U.S. agent? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. So uh, the other kind of, I guess, development um, that we saw here um, that can kind of, I guess, take us into speculation for the the episodes to come was we learned a little bit more about uh, the Flag Smashers and and their leader, uh, Carly Morgenthau, who um, the original Flag Smasher was apparently known as Carl Morgenthau. So, um, obviously a bit of like a, you know, gender swap evolution kind of thing where it's like less a person and more a group. But, um, you know, we got, we got a little bit more into them, right? Like obviously they have access to some kind of super soldier serum. We know that they are trying to, you know, return the world to, uh, the post blip pre return status and that they their ultimate goal is to create kind of like a global government you know where like the, the no world borders. is yeah no border they say uh one one world one people right i think yes, is what they're, their their thing slogan yeah world without borders um how did you guys how do you guys feel about them as antagonists right now it's kind of weak i think i i feel like it's so challenging to like create like a uh faux group of revolutionaries for writers because it's a i think it's a type of mindset that's difficult to 
put your mind in unless you're in that kind of mindset to come up with like a, a anarchist type syndicate of people uh, and I find that oftentimes when writers and creative types try to like create factions like that, it rings a little hollow. Mm. Uh, and that's why I feel about this too. Um, they don't like, I don't, I don't think it, it feels like 10 pennies on a dime a little bit, so to speak. Yeah. I think for me, the thing that I have been most concerned about from the top, right. Was when they kind of announced that, that the, the flag smashers were going to be our primary antagonists was this idea that it was going to be kind of like more of that rah, rah, like, pro-America, pro-military propaganda that we sometimes get uh, from the MCU. And, like, you know, right, obviously the government and the comics and the movies is different than the real world, and that's whatever, right? Like, it's fiction. Um, And they're certainly not perfect organizations, as we saw in this episode. Um, Yeah. But I also think that, for me, when you try to delve into like serious and kind of murky topics like this where like it's rarely handled well let's put it this way right when i was watching it last night sarah was not actually watching she was just in the room with me and she goes she goes oh is this gonna be one of those stories where i uh, accidentally identify with the villains and (laughs) and i i'm that's what i'm worried about is that i think that the idea that uh, specifically Falcon and and Winter Soldier and U.S. Agent and Battlestar are uh, wrapped up in this, this, you know, story that specifically has to do with super soldiers and the super soldier serum and the legacy of Captain America and all that stuff. That all jives. But I think once you try to tie that to this broader, very loosely defined political ideology... And, you know, it, it gets messy. Yeah, it's kind of like those two Spider-Man movies that came out where both villains felt really sympathetic, especially the first one uh, with the Vulture, where yeah. at the end of the movie, I felt like he was it kind of felt like Spider-Man wasn't really a hero in that movie. Like, yeah, he saved people's lives, but like. <laughs> I, I think I think that's a thing, right? Where like in my mind, I think when you get to a villain who and it's not always bad because it works with Killmonger. But, like, when you have a villain whose ideology makes sense, but the problem is that they're too, like, extreme. um, Thanos. Sure. Yeah, Thanos works in that regard, too. Like, I don't don't think that that's inherently bad, but I think it's inherently a very easy way to make something messy and, like, open to a lot of criticism that it doesn't need to open itself to. Because you didn't need to draw a real-world analog here in any kind of way. You didn't need to make them a radicalist group who, you know... And I don't know, because the thing is that, like, we might get further along and be like, okay, yeah, they're just nuts. And, like, that is what it is, right? And yeah, that's but fine. that's also weak, because then it's like, why bother? You know, you took all the intrigue and just made it fucking generic so that they were no longer sympathetic. Yeah, but well, I... Well, then it, it, it also... Go ahead, go. It, uh, just quickly, it also paints the picture of people who, who you know, have those ideas... As being bad. nuts, right? Yeah. yeah, that's a good point too. And that that is that can be problematic. Yeah, for sure. But I think to to Phil's point, I don't know that that's inherently bad. Like I, I can think of examples of um of Marvel films or, or just films in general, right? Where like the antagonist or or the 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 thing you need to overcome 
is thinner because that's not what the narrative is really about. And that's not always bad, but... It depends on the thing. Like, in this case, it, like you're already treading in murky waters, and if that's the road exactly. you go, it, it, it undermines what you were trying to do anyway. I, and that's my concern. I, I don't think they've jumped that shark yet. No, of course not. But... It's been two episodes. Yeah, but but the, I am having those feelings. But my I think the, the point that Sean made last week, I think, is a salient one, is that a story that seems interested in, in looking at some of the things it's looked at with an honest uh, lens or through an on, honest lens gives me hope that that's not where they're trying to go, right? Because if, if the point was to be more of this rah-rah, pro-America, like, would you have the nod to an Isaiah, you know, like, I, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I think that, I think, yeah, honestly, you might be able to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. I, and I that's my fear. Feel, yeah. I kind of yeah. feel like they're going to touch on a very deep emblematic, uh, the deep systemic flaws of the United States and still do a raw, raw America thing where it's like, yeah, we got all these blemishes, but ah, we're still the greatest country in the world. Because yeah, because you also have to think like, you know, the the end narrative here will likely end up being, uh, you know, Isaiah's point of view being, yeah, America really fucked me over. But this Sam guy, he can be Captain America. That's all right. And that's a victory for America. But I think that's the thing, though, right, is that can be portrayed that way. Because if Sam is still Sam and he's independent and not working for the government and is yes. being the emblem that Captain America is supposed to be in contrast to U.S. agent who is this rah-rah, go America, bastardization of Captain America, that's the right statement then to make. It's, it's if you cross those streams too much that I think it gets, it gets murkier Murky. and murkier. Right. Hmm. Um, um, uh, one, there was a decent line in this episode that gave me a little sense of hope uh, where, you know... Uh, bad cap basically was like you know revolutionaries are rarely they 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 step on the foot of their own cause basically through their own extremism uh and and sam rebutted something to the effect of like says like a you know someone with all the resources or whatever right he basically says that's easy for you to say yeah you know uh, yeah so it's like the fact that that is a key element of this narrative that juxtaposition between Sam and, and Bucky being righteous and, you know, U.S. agent and Battlestar being these kind of puppets for the government um, makes me hope that we're not going to veer into that territory to the point where it's a detriment to the, to the narrative. Because so far, I think they've, they've skirted that line pretty well. So we'll see what happens. But that remains kind of my one concern about the story um, because I think the other stuff, the character stuff and everything has been working really well for me. Um, yes. and better than I thought it would actually. Yes. Character stuff really shines. I got to tell you, Anthony Mackey is really charismatic. I love, I love him, man. Yeah. He's doing a great job. Uh, and like, he's never had the opportunity to be the leading man in these things. You know, he's always been like, uh, you know, he's been on, on the director sheet number two, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, he's always been a supporting character and like yeah. a beloved, likable supporting character, but a supporting character nonetheless. This is making me really, really like uh, Sam Wilson a lot. Same. Mm. Yeah, he went from a character who I always... Liked. Uh, yeah, to one who now I'm like, I want to see him become Cap. I want to root for him. I want to see him get his own Cap movie. Like, 
I wanna I wanna see him pick up the shield. Oh yeah, at this rate, I feel like he could be my favorite MCU character. Yeah. So I love I love that we're getting more and more insight into like him as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the benefit of these shows. You know? You have more time and you get to like like you don't really have the time in an MCU movie to like have a scene where Falcon is in Louisiana and like on his family's boat that struggle like those kinds of things you don't you don't get room for that shit you know um and i don't even think that's like because the movies are are bad i just think the medium doesn't you know you can't you can't fit a lot of small quiet moments in a two-hour movie um that has to be all these other things you know so it's cool it gives these characters a chance to shine especially yeah especially a movie that's not about you right i mean yeah I mean, there there were MCU moments, movies where they had moments to breathe and do character stuff, and like good movies will let the second act breathe and let characters sit. Famously, you know, I think of the original Star Wars movie where all the characters are standing in the Millennium Falcon as they're on their way to find Ben Kenobi. You're establishing all your characters and like the world and stuff. It happens all the time. You like if there was a Falcon movie. There's no reason you can have a boat scene like in the middle or whatever to kind of yeah. establish your character. That's how you relate to them. But it's we never had a Falcon that... movie. Exactly. And and also I think that you're you're right, but I think that like even in the confines of that, there's less room for shit like that. You can't let it breathe as much. You can't spend as much time with it. And generally it would have to be related to what's going on. Right? Mm-hmm. So it would have to be, oh, it's this quiet moment in the context of this other story, whereas like that is not related to the plot. It's just telling us, like, this is where Sam's at post-Blip, post-being a fugitive of the government for two years. Like, he's been off the grid for a long time, and he's trying to step back into his old life, and it's just not there for him anymore. And, like, you don't always get as much time for those kinds of character moments that really make you, like, want to root for somebody and then, like, see the human side of them, you know? Like, he went from feeling like, you know... Oh yeah, that's like that's I like Falcon. He's Cap's buddy. He's a nice, likable guy. And now it's like, oh, this is a dude with like real problems, and like I wanna, I wanna see him overcome them. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely. So uh, the end of the scene, right? We get our tease for next week's. Uh, we're gonna be hooking up with Zemo again. Um, one of the last great Cap villains left on the board. <laughs> Uh yeah, I guess that's true. Did they do Von Strecker? I don't remember. Did they? Well, if they didn't, he's on the board still. Let's find out. Go ahead. Wasn't he in Cap One? That surely would... he would have been in Cap One. Uh maybe. I I truly don't remember. Uh certainly Red Skull's off the board. Oh, it'd be cool if they found a way to bring him back. Uh the reason why they kept him off the board is because of uh uh William Weaving. Hugo Weaving, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they just recast him anyway in the Avengers movie. So he is in Winter Soldier mm. in the mid credit scene, and then he's in Ultron. <laughs> Was he really? God. Yeah, don't remember that movie very well. Um, yeah, we'll see what they do here. Uh, uh, I'm enthusiastic. I think there's a lot of potential. Yeah, I agree. I've been I've been enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, like I think you know, it's definitely more by the by the numbers than Wandavision, but I don't know. It's it's scratching an itch for me. 
Yeah, there, I think I think uh, comparing the first two episodes of this to the first two episodes of WandaVision, I'm digging this more. There's a little more heat. Uh, first two episodes of WandaVision, I don't, I wasn't too crazy about. Uh, there's, I think there's, I, I'm more into the intrigue of what's going on here. I could that could change, obviously. We explain how it could change in a negative way, but uh, I'm in, I'm intrigued. I could take it or leave it. Yeah, well, that tracks. Sounds like you. That's okay. All right. So uh, if you guys want to let us know what you thought about episode two of The Falcon and the Winter Soldiers, The Star-Spangled Man, uh, remember you can hit us up in the comments below. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com, or you can come join our Discord where we've got our TV party channel where we're constantly talking about uh, the hottest new shows. So if you want to go and throw your hat in the ring for the discussion of this one, uh, come join us over there. And then, of course, uh, if you haven't checked it out already, we have episode one of our uh, sister show, We Watch Invincible, uh, for episodes one through three. is already up uh, by the time you're listening to this. So uh, if you haven't checked out that, you can go check out that one as well. And let us know what you think about that show, too. Uh, and, of course, if this is your first time joining us, we are the Comics Pals. We have a weekly comic book podcast where we talk about the news, the books, the characters, the movies, the films, the TV shows. I said movies and films back-to-back as if they were different things, but I'm going to keep rolling with it. Wherever, Whatever's going on in the world of comics, we're covering it. We're talking about it. So go check it out. And, uh, of course, if you want to check out our comic book reviews this week, we reviewed Alien Number 1 and Ultra Mega uh, from Image and Skybound. So uh, go check those out, too. So uh, that'll do it for the review crew here on this episode of We Watched Falcon Winter Soldier. We'll catch you next week. I came here for the fan fiction. Where's the fan fiction? On your left. <laughs>